Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to one on one at Legacy Lake Sports Network. Hello, everybody. Darrell Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network, and thank you all for coming to another episode of One on One. This is episode six of One on One, and today with me, I have a man that works for CBS Six. That's right, Mr. John uh, Burkett. Yeah, you saw how I did that, John? I worked that's that in fit, there. That's fitting. That's <laughs> fitting. I like that. So, yes, I, I'm honored to have John Burkett with me. He is a reporter slash journalist for Channel 6 News. He does a little bit of it all, if you ask me, but we'll get into that today. Uh, John, how are you doing, my friend? Doing better, man. I've been kind of under the weather the past couple of days, but uh, things seem to be getting better. Now, with that being said, uh, you know, you know, with, with you being a little bit under the weather, we knew, um, you know, life this last couple of months have been kind of crazy because of the pandemic. Uh, but you had a little bit of a close encounter. Uh, speaking about that, can you tell us, uh, you yeah. know, about how you're doing and how COVID has treated you the last, um, you know, how this pandemic has treated you the last couple of months? A little bit of a scare. Uh, I can tell you that uh, three months ago, we kind of uh, at CBS Six, kind of everybody was ordered out of the building, and there's only a scheduled few to show up, and they've got to stand apart and and uh, all that good stuff. It really wasn't different for me uh, because. I was working outside the building. My office has been my car mostly. So <laughs> I go, I go from scene to scene, but, uh, as of last couple of weeks, man, with, you know, got COVID and then you got the, the uh, protests coming in. I was walking with protesters, trying to get the stories of the protesters. And, uh, you know, obviously there was no social distancing in those crowds. They weren't standing six feet apart. So I, I got to feeling a little bit, uh, under the weather, uh, last Thursday night and I've got a family, man. I've got kids, three kids and I've got a wife and I decided to, to make them a little bit of ease. I'd go to the emergency room, get checked. And when I got in there, the first thing they determined was I had pneumonia. Oh, and yeah. And then they said, uh, we're going to go ahead and give you this COVID swab. So luckily for my, my sake and my family's sake, the COVID swab came back negative. Uh, they did transfer me from Swift Creek to Johnston Willis, and then uh, I underwent two more COVID swabs for negative results. And uh, it's awful, dude. <laughs> I told you, I told you uh, a little while ago, man, it, that Q-tip all the way to the back of your brain is no good. Man, I, I'm hoping that I never have to go and, um, and have I hope it. you don't either. I hope I hope that I hope I don't have to have that experience. But I'm glad that you're doing okay and that you did not have to have to deal with that part of it. Uh, you know, so you know, thank goodness for that. Now you you said you were, you know, with the protest. I mean, for you, the aspect of everything that you had to deal with while you were going, you know, through the protests and the riots, I mean, just from your eyes, what did you see um that, you know, maybe just kind of shocked you or just, you know, gave you a new look on life or, you know, just your thoughts on the protests in general? 
I, I've been through some of these protests before, and uh, you know, my my job there is to kind of get both sides of it. You know, you got one side saying this, one side saying that, and just kind of report what you're seeing. The way I got uh, pneumonia, surprising to me, was because the doctor said I took on a large amount of tear gas, which oh. Uh, yeah, so Saturday night was the night that I did take on. I mean, it was thick. You know, walking downtown through a Broad Street area, down by the uh, police precinct and second precinct. I mean, uh, headquarters on Second Street, uh, Second and Grace. It was it was very thick, and it's you know I've been in the military. I've I've gone through tear gas before, but uh, this was a steady pounding of it for about an hour, and uh, that that's what caused the pneumonia in my lungs was the the residuals of the tear gas. And, you know, probably it's my fault too. I wasn't wearing a, I was wearing a mask, but you know, I was still sucking it in. I wasn't wearing a gas mask that you're supposed to wear when the tear gas is deployed. So. I mean, you, well, you, it but you probably didn't think but, you were going to have to wear a gas mask either though. So, I mean, I mean, what are you doing? That's but, you know, what, man, the, the marching, you know, the protesters, I, I understand it all. The one thing that gets me and I know people will be like, Whoa, what are you talking the looting, man, the looting and the breaking of innocent business owners' windows. One site that I re- I'll remember for the rest of my life is turning the corner off Monroe onto Broad Street, and there's this gigantic hole in the front of this dude's art gallery. And I, I'm just getting video. So I get video, and I turn around, and the dude is inside, and he is holding a painting, and he's crying with the painting in his hand, it's the business owner. And it just, it hit me in the heart, man, because you think about what we've been through the past three months. I've probably been closed down because of COVID. He reopens back up and now he's got this crisis on his hands. So it's just kind of like, yeah, I do didn't deserve that, man. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a tough deal right there. That's, I think probably for me, one of the biggest things that bothered me the most is that um, the protest myself, there's no problem with the protest on my end. Uh, but I, I, the, the, the looting and, and you the know, you know knocking man. stuff over yeah. and, and burning. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it, it's, it's, I mean, especially for those, like you say, those business owners who put so much of their heart into it. And it's mostly small businesses. It's, it's not, I mean, there's large businesses here and there, but it's the small businesses where they don't, they can't hire, um, you know, maybe security guards or police officers to take care right. of that. So that, that part of it for me was like, man, that's really hard to see right now. You know, um, you know, computers tough, tough to swallow. Tough to yeah, swallow. Definitely tough to swallow. But you know, um, you know, I, let me ask you this. Um, you know, you had a chance. You know, you were in the military. You were in the navy, if I'm um, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, you know, so I mean, those times being in the navy, did it prepare you? Any, I guess, anything? Um, excuse me. Did it prepare you or influence you in any way? Um, you know throughout your career, um, being a journalist, or uh, it didn't even prepare you for what, you know, you went through the last, uh, couple of days. Yeah. I mean, in the military, you know, you're with a diverse bunch of people, man. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter what race you are in the military. You're all one color. You're either green, you're blue or, you know, uh, whatever. So, uh, yeah, you know, and I've gotten an enormous love for my country and, uh, there are things during the protest that I saw that, uh, you know, it makes me a little angry. You know, the guy dragging the flag around on his foot on the middle of the uh, yeah. Belvedere Bridge, I, you know, it, it hits you to where you, you know, 
should you say something? And then you go back to your training and say, well, I'm here as an unbiased, impartial journalist, so I can't say anything, you know? So you know, there are some things that bother you, but you just kind of go with it. I know that I've been part of a diverse group work-wise, workforce-wise for my entire adult life. So it, uh, you just, like I said, man, I kind of focus on telling both sides of it and let the viewers at home decide what they want to grab onto and not. I mean, the, it's funny. One of my buddies at work calls Facebook hate book. And, uh, <laughs> he, he ain't lying. They ain't lying. <laughs> I know, man. And you just, you look at, you look at people online, man, and, and people hide behind this, this keyboard and say so much mean and hateful stuff, dude. And you're like, come on, guy. Really? Would you really, if you saw that person in Would you person, say that to that person you if you saw that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, just, I, I, <laughs> it, it almost empowers them to be belligerent. And you're like, come on, man. Yeah. You know, we're all, we're all here together. Let's, let's, let's do this and let's, let's, let's grab each other's hands and move forward as, as a united body instead of this division that we're seeing right now. Dude, I'm telling you, man, in the, the media business alone, right. this is the most divisive it's been in 20, my 20 years of civilian broadcasting. Now, I saw a bit of it in the military uh, when I covered uh, Greenpeace would come over. to I was stationed in Sardinia, Italy, and they did not like the nuclear-powered submarines coming in to uh, get fixed and get worked on right. in Sardinia. So they would have protests where they would come up alongside and they have to spray them down with water hoses and all that stuff. So I had seen protesting internationally in that manner. But unbelievably, even then, it wasn't as violent as some of these protests have gotten. Right. Right. And, and like I said, it's, it's, it's been definitely wild. I mean, in your, with your career in journalism, you've, you've done quite a bit. Uh, during your time frame, and uh, but the biggest thing that you're known for now is you're the you're the crime solver. You are you yeah, are the man that crime you, insider, yeah, the crime insider. You you do it all, my friend. And so, uh, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I, a lot, there may be some people that don't know, uh, but you know, let us know, um, you know, how that got started for you. Well, uh, so years ago when I first started reporting, uh, most of the stories that were general assignment were crime stories, and, and throughout the years, I've made good contacts within several police departments and I've maintained relationships with some of those folks. And, uh, so it kind of fell on my lap three or four years ago. When my boss called me in her office and said, Hey, we want to brand you as the crime guy, the crime insider. And I said, that's, that's a great idea. I like it. So really my focus, rarely do you see me covering anything but crime. It happens. I mean, right. tornadoes happen and the weather happens. I, I go cover that, but, uh, normally, it is sticking to the the marketing um, outline they made for me, and that is the crime guy. And uh, so it's been uh, it's been interesting, man. You know, you get people that uh, that watch you, that trust you, that you'd be surprised that when it happens serious stuff, I get inbox messages from family, from friends, and it's it's made it easier to be that trusted crime insider guy because they say, "Listen, I know this guy's not going to dime me out." If uh, they want to know where the information came from, he's not going to tell them. He's going. Right. He, he knows it's. He's checked his facts. And he knows it's right. Well, like I said, I I will say this. I mean, I know myself. I'm probably one of those people because uh, every time I see you go live, I'm like, let me go check and see what's going on because I know John's not going to stir me in the wrong direction. So that's a good deal when you know that you built a, a good rapport 
uh, you know, with uh, your supporters and family and fan base, uh, that they know that they can that they can go to you and be like, hey, man, like if John's saying it, he ain't just saying stuff just to be saying it. And that that's a hard thing to find uh, in today's media. So you, you got a, a lot of guys that want to sensationalize stuff, man. It's just that's never been my shtick, man. I just I want to I want to tell you what's there. It's some, listen, I'm not right all the time. I get right. sometimes my sources get it wrong. They tell me stuff. It's not you know it's close, but it's not all the way correct. And that, that's my bust. I should be, you know, vetting it out two or three times over. But when I get hit up by guys that are pretty high ranking, I pretty much go with what I got. I mean, I, I'll source things twice and then I'll move on. I'll say this, you got this. Okay. You got this. All right. We're good to go. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. Not, maybe sometimes, sometimes, you know, seeing and they, they tell you someone's been shot or someone, and right. you, you get the sex, you get the sex of the victim wrong, but it happens. It happens. It happens sometimes, and sometimes, you know, it's the victim looks like this, and they think it's this, and it's not that. So you got to be careful what you do. Right, right. And, I mean, like I said, you've gotten to the point where people trust you, uh, and that's that's a pretty good deal. Now, let's go to the world of sports. You probably like, everybody's like, man, wait a minute. But you got here on 101, you got to get that in depth. You have to know the vision that is John Burkett because I want y'all to know <laughs> the greatness that is John Burkett. So uh, now let's talk a little bit of something. I know that we got two topics here that are no, that are near and dear to your heart. First, we'll start off with the NBA because the NBA is supposed to be back here if, within the next month. And somebody I know uh, to my left is a huge Houston Rockets fan. And this huge. Rockets team has been um, very interesting, a couple, especially the last few years. Uh, so, John, let me ask you this. What are your feelings on this team, and do you think they legitimately have a chance to win the NBA titles, uh, excuse me, the NBA title this year? I don't know, man. Here's, here's, here's my thing, man. I, I still think the Rockets are one piece away. I think they need a, they need a big man. And uh, I just don't know if they got it, dude. Uh, you know, I'm big with uh, the Westbrook pickup was awesome. Uh, James Harden continues to do his thing. But I don't know, bro. I don't know. I, I t what's powerful out in that West is the Clippers and the Lakers, brother. So, and, and I hate to say Lakers because that's just – I just don't like – I don't <laughs> like dealing with it. My wife is a Lakers fan, so it's a house divided. But you know they say happy wife, happy life. So <laughs> now you know, uh, you know. Of course, the Rockets went small ball uh, midway through the season, and you know, it, you know, Dan Tony has always been, you know, he's always an offensive-minded coach. I mean, we've seen. I'm not, a big, I'm not a big fan of his dude. Never. Had that. <laughs> no, Rudy, Rudy, Tom, and Bill Fitch were my coaches, man. Those hey, guys were good. Rudy T, baby. Hey, Rudy, Rudy T, was T man. Guy. Rudy T is yeah. the guy. So, I mean, but, yeah, you look at it and you see it. And I'm, me as a fan, I like I said, man, if I'm looking at this Rockets team, I agree with you. They need some size. I mean, but I just think they need a new direction more than anything. Dan yeah. Tony's a great offensive mind. He's like, all right, so he's the type of coach that if you're not worried about winning championships, he's a great coach to have because he'll keep you in contention. But, yeah. unfortunately, it just doesn't seem like he'll ever get you to where you need to be. He'll get you to the brink of it. But then you'll be in, you'll be done in the semifinals every year, man. That's like me when I coach. I haven't been to a championship game yet. I take them all the way to semifinals, but I can't. You know, it's just, you know, 
I'm like, why can't I get that piece to get him past the, the gauntlet here? You know, I just want I just want to sniff the championship game. That's it. That's, That's all I'm right, asking. Man. I mean, come on, man. Well, my two thirteen-year-old kids. <laughs> Dude, my championship game experience ain't that great. I think my first championship in the first year of little league that I coached long, long time ago. I'm a little rusty now, but I think we all we were losing fourteen to two at the end of the first half. Uh, uh, nine and ten year olds, and they came back. They went on like a, I guess. Well, I guess it was a fourteen to fourteen to two run. End up losing sixteen fourteen, but oh. they fought all the way back. And I was like, oh, this is probably the most painful thing I've ever. It was. It was worse for me watching the kids, you know, fight fight so hard and weren't able to get that. I was like, oh, this is painful. Uh, but for uh, me, you know, man, during my coaching career. I started a season. I was two and ten my first season, and I, I can I can boast loudly that ever since I've never had a lose never had a losing season. That's it. That's a good deal. That's a good yeah. deal. That's a that good first deal. season was rough though, brother. <laughs> rough. I was ready to hang it up. See, I started coaching little league kids because my, my father died back in uh, 2011. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do something in memory of him because that's what he did for me when I was a kid. He coached me. So I said, well, I'm going to start coaching these kids at the Clover Hill Recreation Association. So I did. So I coached 14 and 15-year-olds for the first five or six years. Mm-hmm. And then my nephew came along who was old enough to play and wants me to coach him up. So I coached him up the past couple of years. Man, we've done so well during the regular season. We get to post the playoffs. We stink, it. we stink it every postseason. The postseason. <laughs> it's hardening, man. It's hardening. <laughs> don't worry. I'm, like, I I, I'm looking through manuals. I don't know what I'm doing wrong here, man. I guess I'm pretty sure I crossed the X there. I thought I was good. I thought I was <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, so, well, I guess before we move on to the next one, who do you think Who do you think we will see in that championship game for the NBA Finals? Well, I haven't heard how they're going to do the brackets because there was talk they were just going to match the brackets, right? Yeah, not, I not heard – I've heard that they may like they're gonna let the last couple of teams play it out to try to see who gets those last spots. Now the two formats that we heard is they could go one through sixteen just based off of your record, right. uh, and and you know because they've been talking about that for the last couple of years in general. But what better time to try that out during a time where the season yeah. has kind of been thrown you know I don't say thrown away but it's been uh, all messed up. But uh, they I've also heard they may still go in the direction of you know uh, just East versus West. So I guess it really depends. Well, if, they, if they do, if they do East versus West, my first will say Clippers v Bucks. Oh, your wife's That's not gonna I, like to hear that. Uh, <laughs> now, if it ends up being this one through sixteen, where a West team, because I think the East is weak, man. I think the East is real weak. So I, if it ends up being two West Coast teams, it could be a Clippers versus Lakers. That would that would be fun. Uh, yeah. That would be fun. It would definitely be fun if they were actually in LA. Off of that, but hey, I mean, I don't think Clippers or Laker fans are going to be upset. The Clippers would just be glad to get out of the second round because they're another team yeah. that they have they can't get past that second round for nothing. So that, that and, and think about think about this, man. It's social distancing. That'd be great. Then you have the Laker fan base is the only one you got to worry about. I mean, the LA fan base is only you got to worry about. You got right. LA Clippers, LA Lakers. You're in there. Matching heaven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let's swing to a team I know that's near and dear to your heart. Let me tell you why I know this is near and dear to my man John's heart. Because <laughs> I remember eh, maybe a couple years ago, especially when we started covering the Redskins, I used to call them the, the, the John marches 
as you the Redskins won, John is walking down the street. I mean, we we talking about mute the hail to the Redskins blasting loud. I mean, true to heart Redskins fans, fan win, loss or draw, it didn't make a difference. I know I said like, this man is as legit as they come. So with that yeah. being said, you know the Redskins have been through a lot um, the last couple of years, uh, and We've done a lot of losing in the past. A lot, lot, a lot of it's been it's yeah. been a little it's been really rough. But now yeah. it seems like this Redskins team. Uh, they're trying to find that new identity. I think one of the biggest things here on the network we talked about was culture change. And it feels like they're starting to get back into that groove. So I'm going to ask you this, uh, John. What right now, the state of the, Redskins, state of the Redskins in your mind right now, what is the state of the team that you hold so close to your heart? Uh, improving. Uh, improving. It remains to be seen. Um, I, I look at what Ron Rivera is doing, and I'm very happy. because. Uh, a lot of under Jay Gruden was slap ass, and I don't mean to be put that out there like that, but it's that's what good. it was. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was a lot of the uh, ha ha ha, rah rah rah. These are my boys, blah blah blah. You can't be friends with your players, man. You got to have some accountability there. Zero accountability during, the, especially the last couple of years of Gruden's era. So I'm I'm happy to see Ron because Ron brings in that military kind of uh, disciplinary style to where he lets you have fun. But you're going to be held accountable, too. You right. don't perform. Hey, hey, come over here. Sit right next to me. And you watch watch your replacement perform. Old school. You know what I mean? Old that, school. Yeah, that kind of, <laughs> yeah. And that's what I think the Redskins need, man. And I think they need to keep uh, Dan Snyder's hands out of the player personnel stuff. He needs to uh, step back. And I think everybody dogs Dan Snyder. I think he's done a really good job the past couple of years of stepping aside. He was kind of handcuffed by uh, Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen had him snowed over. Right, but uh, I think with with uh, you know Ron running things, and eventually Ron will be in, in give input to hire a GM and all that stuff. I think I think they're going the right direction. Do I think they're going to be in the the playoffs this year? Probably not. Probably by the seventy nine eight eight team. But uh, that's an improvement from last year's team. Were they three yeah. and thirteen last year? Yeah, three and thirteen terrible, last year. Dude. It's terrible. Yeah, they, they can't even watch it. They looked a little bit better towards the end. I mean, they, they played better ball towards the end. And, and you can Haskins say, okay. Haskins played better. Haskins they, played better towards Yeah, the end. he definitely did. I, I remember the – who, what game was it? Eagles game. I felt like they had a really – not the – well, the first one, they, they should have won the first one. We'll let that go. But that second one in D.C. or Atlanta, where you thought, man, they got a shot at this. And it just yeah. – it just they just couldn't get it together at the end. But – I mean, the Eagles there at the time were just about games, man. There was a couple games where they, they were – I mean, their defense kept them in most of the games. Right. That offense was terrible, dude. I mean, besides <laughs> Terry, that offense was terrible, dude. I, mean, I love Adrian Peterson, and I love when they give him the ball, and I, and I love when they throw it to, to Terry, but they need more pieces, man. And quite frankly, they don't have any time to throw it. They had no time to throw it. You know, my man's dropping back two steps and already clouded in a crowd of people. <laughs> so they well, gotta get a better offensive line. Uh, they gotta get uh, they gotta get guys running hard and not hurting himself, and uh, let AP clean up some of that mess. And they're gonna be good, dude. But uh, like I said, it'll be about a 500 team this year, I think. Yeah, and I know Will Jones from Amelia County and his Cowboys will be all happy to hear that. <laughs> hey, that guy, dude, I'm, I'm, he doesn't miss a he doesn't miss a moment, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> I look, I've known Will for a long time. Yeah, and, dude, uh, that guy yeah. is on my phone texting me prior to the first quarter being over. You're like, oh. 
I've known Will. Me and Will actually coached JV baseball <laughs> together uh, back in 2004. Yeah, he, he that's my guy right there. Uh, donkey basketball. He's another, guy, he's another guy you need to go one-on-one with, man. I might have to. I might have to because I, I've known him for a long time. Donkey basketball, you name it. My man done yeah. a little bit of everything. So he, he's, yeah. he's definitely a phenomenal person. I, I will say this, though, uh, about um, – Doug about uh, Will Jones. If anything, he's loyal, and he and you ain't got to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Loyal. loyal, no matter. I mean, he he was a loyal friend of my father's, dude, and he's been a loyal friend to me as well. So I I, I don't knock him too hard. I do knock him about his football team because I can't stand. Well, his football you got team. to, you got to. I mean, you have no choice in that matter. You have to. That's that's yeah. actually that's blood right at this point. <laughs> 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 All right, so that's uh. John's uh, thoughts into the Washington Redskins this year. I think they might have a couple of surprises under there. We'll see. My man Russ here on the network says that they will beat the Ravens. I want to see that for myself, but we'll see when that time comes. So now well, – Dude, I, I, will, I will top that with I'm very excited about the, the receiving core that they drafted. I think they got some size now. Gandy Golden, yeah. some of those guys got some size and some mitts. So hopefully – uh, he doesn't pull. What's the, what's the guy's name that they let go uh, two seasons ago? Big oh. disappointment. From, uh, what is his name, dude? Not it, Paul it, Richardson? No, Richardson. No, not Richardson. 18, number 18. Dotson. Dotson. Josh Dotson. Yeah. God, <laughs> man, what a waste. <laughs> I, I knew Jay Bruton called three passes to the end zone of that guy at the same time, like, back to back to back, and he couldn't catch one of them. I said, this guy's got to go. <laughs> Come on. So I think he's in Minnesota now. He's, he's I, 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 he he was with Minnesota, uh, and then, then he got. Re- I, I don't know if I think he got released or he was a free agent, and he signed with the Jets. So oh, he's, the Jets. He's, okay. he's a New York Jet right now. So, uh, but they have, and this is just, but they have no receivers. <laughs> we, we go, well, maybe they'll get better. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. So, now we're gonna go to a segment of the show that we like to call "Quick One." <laughs> So quick ones is the John Burkett edition of quick ones where John will get an opportunity to give him a couple topics. You know, you can answer a one word answer or you can break it down uh, a little bit. We don't care here. We just want to give you a quick couple topics and, and get your thoughts on that. Are you ready, John? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So first one for John Burkett and quick ones, favorite sports moment. Favorite sports moment. Man, you had to hit me with it. Okay, I, I got you. It's uh, Redskins, Redskins playing the Broncos in the Super Bowl. Broncos jump up 10 to nothing. I get real angry. I get upset. My dad said, listen, man, you got to stop screaming or you're going to go upstairs to bed. I said, come on, man. It's 10 to <laughs> So I went upstairs. I, took a, I went upstairs. I took a shower. I came back down. It was 35 to 10. Redskins were up. I started screaming, hooting, hollering. He said, boy, I told you, if you don't calm down, you go back to bed. <laughs> I, see, I can go to bed now. We win at 35. Yeah, I know we're winning. <laughs> we solid there. Oh, that's great. <laughs> what about uh, your worst sports moment? Worst sports moment? I don't know, man. Had to be uh, worst sports moment. Had to be either like something I was involved with. I, I didn't take losing very well. So, I, <laughs> I would say any time that I lost a basketball game was the worst moment. But okay, I'll I don't know. That. I mean, 
Yeah, I don't like to lose. So <laughs> anything my team loses, you can see I've suffered a lot of worse sports moments in the past couple the past decades. Those uh, those <laughs> those those uh those little league championship games is what's just probably that worst sports for me right now. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I don't need oh, it. Could be, the one, could be the one when I was 11 or 12 years old and I missed a free throw. Mm-hmm. And if I'd have made the free throw, we would have won and gone to the championship game, but I missed it and we lost. Oh, no. That's oh, tough. Oh, oh, yeah. That good. <laughs> I, I, man, I can't even tell you. I, I had to think a little. My worst sports moment, I'll throw it in there real quick, would probably be <sighs> Packers, Seahawks from a couple years ago. Oh. I'm never going to get over that. I'll never get over it. I mean, we were up 19 to seven with five minutes to go. We're supposed to go to Super Bowl. Uh, so <laughs> that, hard, bro. Yeah, that, that one bothers me till this day. And I'll probably say fourth and 26. Cause I can always hear Freddie Mitchell saying, I want to thank my hands. And that bothers me till this day. Those two moments, there's more, but those two, uh, they were just, uh, for for do me for a point guard, I should have been able to shoot free throws, and I shot free throws like hack a shack. And it was <laughs> you weren't so, out there throwing up them bricks, were you? <laughs> yeah, man. I didn't know what was wrong with me, dude. But it's probably nerves or whatever. But I was fine under pressure shooting layups and stuff. But man, when it came to the foul line, dude, that was it. Bricks did it. <laughs> Next one. Uh, what does well? What does uh, Larry Fitzgerald mean to you? What what the what oh. impact has Larry Fitzgerald Brother, in your life? You know how to hit me in the heart, man. Oh, you know I thought I'd throw that in there for fun. <laughs> Some of your uh, listeners or viewers may not know, but Larry Fitzgerald paid for my college education. So uh, years ago, man, I I was in the military and I got the GI Bill, and uh, of course, like an idiot, I didn't read the fine print. And it said you had up to 10 years to use the GI Bill. Well, during the ninth year, I started using it. And a year later, I get a notice saying, your GI Bill's done. Oh, no. Oh, man. So, of course, I didn't read the fine print. And, man, I went to the the links he didn't write, like, the congressman about, hey, man, can't get an extension, blah, blah. So no, no, uh, no love there. So then about a year and a half later, I was driving home in, uh, from Channel 6 in the shift. And I was listening to Monday Night Football, and I heard Larry Fitzgerald talking to uh, one of the reporters about this new uh, scholarship thing they had come up with the University of Phoenix. And uh, they would pick 49 people for Super Bowl 49 to get full rides from Larry Fitzgerald. If they, It's called the Focus to the Finish Scholarship. So basically it's for folks who had started in college, for whatever reason had to drop out, couldn't finish. This was a scholarship for them. So – for you know shits and giggles i i uh applied right and uh four months later i got word that my essays were good and he would pay for it awesome and uh, I, finished, I finished that last last spring dude and uh, I'm, I'm one of six kids and uh my uh my mom is very happy that she's alive to see that all six of her kids got a college degree so that's awesome that's, that's it was for her as and I kind of wanted to show my kids. I've got a daughter that's in college now. Kind of show her that if you persevere and keep on going, then you'll get through it. Because she's had a tough time with college and had a tough time focusing. But uh, I'm not sure if I got that message through or not. But <laughs> it's still a work in progress. We'll find, we'll find out in due time. We'll find that's out right. in due time. That's right. All right, last one here on Quick Ones. Worst thing you've ever tasted? Worst thing I've ever tasted. People are going to 
knock me down for this dude, but I do not like deviled eggs. Nasty, man. You don't like deviled eggs? Whoa, deviled <laughs> eggs. Whoa. Oh, man, I didn't see that one coming. Oh, man, deviled <laughs> eggs. You oh. want to see man, when they come out, my wife makes them, and the smell, I'm like, oh, oh this God. is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> see, man, it's one of those foods, man, that make you dry heave, man. Oh, that's and, terrible. And my wife's, in my wife's culture, uh, uh, she's Filipina. Right. They also have something called balut, which is a, a, a half-grown duck in an egg, and the duck comes out of the egg, and they eat that thing whole, man. Now, you talk about dry heave. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, yeah. so the, the duck is still alive? It, the duck is, I don't know, the duck, duck's not alive. It's, the duck is, it's it's premature. It comes out. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. And they, and they, now, the Filipinos may correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what it is. But it comes in, and you, and you can see it. You're like, oh, you're not going to eat that. Not gonna, you can't eat that. Oh. Like, like that. I'm like, oh. You can't eat that. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, man. Both of, both of my nasty foods have to do with eggs, man. Deviled oh, eggs and I'm, look. I'm surprised, I'm surprised you would even eat eggs at this point. That, I, I, would, <laughs> I, would, I would completely understand if you was like, I'm going to shut it down. Uh, egg game is over for me. It's weird, man. So I love scrambled. I love scrambled hard eggs and, right. and a lot of hot sauce. And I love omelets with, with like bacon and spinach and onions and but man, you get them devil eggs. Woo! I can't do it. And the smell, man, it gets to me. Oh man, that's great. <laughs> my boys, my boys think I'm crazy, man. They're like, dude, these are so good. I'm like, nah, man. Nah, bro, not bad. not the way your breast smell right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, everybody, that was quick ones for this episode. Uh, John, truly appreciate that. Now, John, before we get off of here, man, I have to say yeah. thank you, man. Like. You know, I, when I started looking at the list of people that I wanted to come on, you know, this on this show, I knew you were one of the guys that were in my mind. So as soon as I knew that, um, as soon as I knew we had an opportunity to get you, man, I was like, this is great. So I truly appreciate you coming on. Um, but before we go, are there any projects uh, that you have, anything that you want to get out there and let the people know that you have going on? Yeah, well, first of all, man, it's an honor, man. We've known each other for almost five years now, and, and uh, I really like the work you do, and I like to work in the rollback commercials and, you know, the, some of the stuff you did up in D.C. that I've seen you do. I mean, people don't know, but you're a heck of a guy, man. And uh, I think much like me, you kind of tell it like it is and don't like to sugarcoat things. You know, if it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Uh, there, there is a special project that I am working on. My buddy, uh, uh, retired captain, Chesterfield captain, Steve Neal, and I are writing a book. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's coming along. We're uh, almost done. We should have been done in August, but the COVID pandemic hit us. And uh, it kind of been hard to get folks to cooperate with interviews and stuff. So we right. kind of uh, we've had to rearrange some schedules. Rearrange. So it'll probably be the first year when it comes out. Awesome. Uh, it's a book called Bearing Witness to Evil, and uh, it's basically 16 to 18 chapters of stories that uh, either he has covered as an investigator or I have covered as a journalist. Sometimes both of us have covered collaboratively, um, but uh, some really good stories in there, man, about uh, you know the DC sniper, um, my involvement. I, I covered five of his murders. 
there's there's one about a, a tic-tac-toe killer that uh, is very interesting that has links to a uh, a high-ranking local law enforcement officer. Very interesting stuff. Wow. So yeah, and one that's really close to my heart, man, is uh, in and uh, it'll be in the book because by the time the book is released, it'll be adjudicated. Is uh, a story about this little boy CJ that lived in uh, uh, Caroline County, and mm-hmm. the, his parents, man, were just uh, just abusing the hell out of him, and. Uh, how this kid has kind of got himself out of the situation and persevered. And awesome. finally his parents are, his parents are going to court for this. It's been postponed several times, but uh, I think by the end of it, uh, we'll see a, a happier ending for this child. And I mean, it was, it was dude, I, I'm going to tell you, man, I, I, I've seen a lot of stuff in my career and I saw the pictures of the abuse this kid went through. Mm-hmm. And you ever seen the movie passion of the Christ? Yes the back of, of, of God during Passion of the Christ. Yeah. This kid's back looked almost equal to that. Wow, they were, yeah, they were beating him with a, uh, taking an RCA cord with the, the jacks on the end and they were whipping him with it. And dude, the, I'm, I'm telling you, man, it, it gives me chills now talking about it. But uh, just just looking at that and, uh, you know, seeing the kid is, is making it through and persevering through life. Uh, that's part of the book, and that's going to be one of the, the chapters that I think we pride ourselves on. It that the, the story's out, and and uh, everything went well for him. But it's it's going to be a book, an all-encompassing book of of just it's RVA crimes. So a little bit of Southside Strangler. Uh, you ever heard of the Mecklenburg Six? I heard about the Mecklenburg Six. So the woman that was taken and, and made forced to release those guys, she talked to us in the book. Wow. Oh, yeah. This is going yeah. to be good. So it's, very, it's very interesting. So we, we're at the time now where we've, uh, we've got a cover made up. I think we're happy with our cover. Uh, we're going to get some guys like hopefully like Shaq O'Neal and uh, John Walsh to, to write like a forward or something for us. We're going to send them a, a manuscript of the book. And then uh, hopefully uh, – We'll get some things taken care of, either self-publish it or find a publisher and then go to go to town with it. That's awesome. That sounds like that's going to be uh, it's a lot of fun, but definitely a very interesting book to read. I mean, I know a couple of people that will, will deep dive into that bad boy. <laughs> well, you know, you know, man, a lot of people like this uh, investigative discovery channel that's on the air. And, uh, right. A lot of, yeah. A lot of these stories made air on, on ID channels. So right. I've been part of some of the Nightmare on 31st Street with the Harvey family and some of that stuff, too. So those, those stories will be in the book as well. Mostly they're, they're infamous crimes over the past 30 to 40 years in the RV area. All right. Now, um, John, before we go, uh, before we end in, um, what legacy do you want to leave? Um, you know, when you when you hang up your sports journalism uh, attire and you say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hang the, uh, the microphone up and I'm going to, you know, put it to the side here. What do you want your uh, legacy to be? I, I just want everybody to remember that, uh, you know, John Burkett was a, a, a reporter that told the story fair as much as he could, told both sides as much as he could. Uh, you know, I kind of feel like a grief counselor sometimes in my my line of duty work, job duties, because, you know, I'm, I'm reporting on people in their worst moments of life. Right. And uh, oftentimes, and I can't even tell you, it's, it's numerous times I've gone to scenes and, and family members look to me for comfort, for a hug, or, and I, I'm proud to do that, man. I'm proud that I had that relationship with my community that they feel like, 
well, here's a big dude I can come and hug and he'll make me feel warm and, and, and good inside, even though something terrible has happened to me and my family. Right. And, uh, you know, I want to continue to tell the stories of the victims and, uh, and, and, you know, make sure their stories don't die, even though they have, make sure their, their stories live on for a long time. And uh, that's what I like, you know, something for my daughters and, and son to, to read to their grandchildren as morbid as it sounds, the book is going to be pretty uh, graphic, but right. you know, something to say, well, this is my dad. My dad was a, a journalist. He was an author. He saw it. He, he lived it. And uh, something to be proud of. All right, everybody. You heard it here first from the man, the myth and the legend that is John Burkett at CBS yeah. six here in Richmond, Virginia. John, like I said, I truly appreciate you coming on, man. It has been an absolute honor. And this ladies and gentlemen will, in episode six, of course, six, you got to do a six, episode six here on one-on-one uh, -on, -one on the Legacy Maker Sports Network. On our next one, uh, we got episode seven that's happening on Friday, and we're going to have Vashti Hurt. She is the editor-in-chief and founder of the Carolina Blitz. So we, uh, for those Panthers fans, those Duke fans, those UNC fans, be ready for that. That is what we have for you on Friday. I'm Darrell Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network. John, once again, thank you, brother. I appreciate you. And until next Great time, talking to you, Darrell. Yeah. All right, man. <laughs> Love you, brother. And until next Love time, y'all take, take care Bye, of yourselves. Man. Peace. One, 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 Welcome to the one-on-one, one-on-one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to the one-on-one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to one-on-one at Legacy Lake Sports Network.